It's November 6th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Right Report, your daily news podcast. I've got five briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, we've got two big political polls to talk about that show Donald Trump is leading Joe Biden both nationally and in five key states. That is leading one senior Democrat to call on Biden to step aside. Second, some economic news to talk about. Unemployment numbers were released last week with critics saying that the White House is cooking the books on those things. That allegation in a bit. Third, updates for you out of the war in the Middle East, from the latest and overnight strikes in the Gaza Strip to how the Israelis are actually using autistic soldiers to scan satellite images to spot minute differences in places like the West Bank and Gaza Strip. Fourth, a dirty green update on a failed wind farm in New Jersey for you and how that state could have avoided all of it had they only listened to the right report. Yes, I agree. Fifth, some health advice from researchers, folks. Cut back your calories by only 12% and you will be leaner, stronger, and live a longer life. Later, a listener question today from a subscriber who doesn't want to be one anymore. Steph in Louisiana says that I talk about the same things over and over. And for Pete's sake, I am always a negative Nancy. Angel of death, as some people might say. Well, I will explain actually why America's founders would say I'm probably doing the right thing. But first, let's get to our top stories of the morning. One year from now, voters will go to the polls and choose a new president. But if that election were held today, Donald Trump would win by a country mile. That's according to two new polls out yesterday, one from CBS News and the other from the New York Times. So let's dive into the numbers. CBS News reports that Trump beats Biden by three points nationally, 51 to 48. But the Electoral College vote, that would be a wipeout. As reported by the New York Times, Trump would win that Electoral College vote with over 300 votes, matching or surpassing his victory from when he beat Hillary Clinton back in 2016. And that victory is because he would win five key swing states, including Nevada, Georgia, Arizona, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Meanwhile, in Wisconsin, it is neck and neck there with Biden up only two points, which is within the poll's margin of error. Now, the reason for Mr. Trump's good fortune comes down to Mr. Biden's bad performance, frankly. Amongst virtually every category of voter on virtually every issue, Biden is viewed negatively. On the economy, for instance, a majority of swing state Americans say that Biden's policies have hurt them personally. And that is leading to these voters to prefer Trump by a spread of 59 to 37. Meanwhile, on the issue of immigration, Trump beats Biden by 12 points there. That, of course, is a reflection of the record number of illegals that have crossed the border under Mr. Biden, which, by the way, is now sitting at 3.8 million people. Finally, Trump also beats Biden on national security, of course, after Biden's performance in Afghanistan, Ukraine and China. Indeed, Trump has a 12 point advantage on foreign relations over Mr. Biden. The only issue where the White House is beating Trump is on abortion. Mr. Trump uh, loses that by nine points. Now, what's remarkable about The New York Times's poll of these swing state voters is the broad coalition 
that is now rallying around a Trump candidacy. For instance, he is increasing his share of both men and women. He is up dramatically amongst younger voters. He is also dramatically narrowing the gap with Hispanic voters. And he's way up with black Americans, too. In fact, the New York Times said that Trump's support amongst black Americans is, quote, at a level unseen in presidential politics for a Republican in modern times, end quote. Indeed, this poll shows that the more diverse a swing state is, the bigger the lead for Donald Trump. One final thing to note, Biden is losing support because of his policies. That is certainly true, and especially amongst those economic policies. But people also apparently have a problem with him as a person. So here's how the Times put that, quote, an overwhelming 71 percent said that Biden was too old to be an effective president, an opinion shared across every demographic and every geographic group in this poll, including a remarkable 54 percent of Mr. Biden's own Democrat supporters, end quote. Well, my goodness, if you are a Democrat or a Democrat supporter, all of that polling is causing you some very serious heartburn this morning. To wit, President Obama's former campaign chief, David Axelrod, he went so far as to say yesterday that Joe Biden should drop his reelection campaign. Quote, if he continues to run, he will be the nominee of the Democrat Party. But what he needs to decide is whether that is wise, whether it is in his best interest or the country's, end quote. So those are the latest facts and data this morning, my friends, on a poll from both the New York Times and CBS that I assure you will be getting a lot of airtime this week, especially that one from the Times. So let me now pivot to offer my analysis and opinion. So here's what's remarkable to me. So for over a year, polls have shown that a majority of American voters believe that Mr. Biden has engaged in either illegal or unethical behavior specifically by taking foreign cash through his son and then changing U.S. policy. In other words, corruption. Indeed, even 32% of Democrats have said this. And that was all seemingly okay for those folks in that party. In other words, at no point did Mr. Obama's campaign chief, this Mr. David Axelrod, ever call for Mr. Biden to step down. But now, after this poll from the New York Times that says, well, the party's likely going to lose power, That is when he rings the alarm, right? That's when he says Biden should step aside. In other words, when Democrats are likely to lose the White House and lose the power of the presidency, that is what crosses the line for them, not Biden's illegal or unethical behavior. And that's grotesque. And yet it's utterly predictable. And to be fair, here's why, with a little dose of history. So back in 1798, then-President George Washington was wrapping up his second term, and he had prepared a farewell address to the nation. He wrote that with his longtime friend and protege, Alexander Hamilton. And in that farewell address, he warned us about party politics and, and what would happen if we became partisans. Quote, political parties are likely to become potent engines by which cunning, ambitious, and unprincipled men will be enabled to subvert the power of the people and usurp for themselves the reins of government, destroying afterwards the very engines which have lifted them to unjust dominion, end quote. In other words, when you serve a party, you forget to serve the nation. You become corrupted, either by patting your pockets or cementing your lust for power. And that, I think, is precisely what Mr. Axelrod is demonstrating here. He's clutching his pearls, not because he fears losing the country to the illegal or unethical behavior of Joe Biden, 
but he fears that his party might lose power. Now, to be very clear, all parties do this. That was Washington's point. And so let us remember that this morning, I think. Whether we vote for Trump or not is kind of irrelevant. Instead, what this moment reminds us of is that we should never become so captured by a party or a politician that we abandon the country, that we abandon our principles for power. In other words, we become David Axelrod, a man who was moved to do the right thing. Sure, this morning he's calling on Biden to step aside, but he is doing it for all of the wrong reasons. And with that, we turn to our second report of the morning. Some quick economic news for us with some important implications for you and your fellow Americans. On Friday, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics released the jobs report for the country just for the month of October. They noted that the economy added 150,000 jobs. That was about 20,000 lower than expected. But digging into the numbers, folks, we have four flashing red lights that we need to talk about. First, the unemployment rate. Now, officially, that is the what's called the U3 rate. Right, that ticked up to 3.9% last month. That was up from 3.8%. But the more accurate unemployment number, at least as judged by most economists, it's called the U6 unemployment number. And that sits at 7.2%. So here's the difference. The preferred number, the U6, that includes people who are not only unemployed, but also those of your fellow Americans who are underemployed, like those part-time workers that would very much like to find full-time work, or it also includes those people who have just given up looking altogether. And that takes us to our second flashing red light. Buried in Friday's data is this shocker. A record 8.4 million Americans now hold the multiple jobs. That is traditionally a sign of economic distress, but that got very little mention on Friday. Third, we talk about the 150,000 jobs that were created last month. Many of them were created by the government. Other industries actually lost jobs, such as mining, logging, transportation, and manufacturing. Fourth, and finally, there is a very strange thing that keeps happening with the federal government. They keep revising their previous economic numbers and taking them from very good to not so good at all. For instance, the last two months of employment data, they were first listed as pretty good. But on Friday, we learned that those numbers were actually revised down over the past few months by over 100,000 fewer jobs. And as Forbes magazine said, quote, those are huge revisions and, quote, unprecedented in modern times. Hmm. What would the motivation be for that? Well, those are the facts and data this morning on America's economy, at least as of this very brief moment in time. I've got one quick piece of analysis and opinion to offer you. I promise you that this week you are going to be hearing a lot of talking heads on TV or online or on Twitter saying that the U.S. economy is in great shape and that Mr. Biden just doggone it does not get credit for it. In other words, they're going to kind of suggest that you are the problem for not understanding how great everything is economically. But what the actual data tell us are three things. First, after-tax pay is not keeping up with inflation for many people in this country. Second, there are more of us working two or more jobs to pay the bills. And third, interest rates are so high that a lot of folks can't afford to finance a car or a house. And that explains, I think, the first report from this morning, the polling about why so many Americans across party lines and demographic groups are so unhappy with the Biden White House this morning and Mr. Biden himself. It's just something to keep in mind. 
If you're wondering what is driving those negative economic numbers for Mr. Biden and what's driving you crazy when you hear the pundits say that everything is fine. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. For subscribers listening at rightreport.substack.com, thank you. Meanwhile, for my other loyal listeners, an equal thanks, and we'll be right back. Folks, they said it couldn't be done. Industry experts said that America could never rebuild its textile industry to once again make clothes in America for the American people. But those experts were wrong. A giant proved them wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to proudly introduce you to the company American Giant. They make clothing right here in the United States. And they do so for men and women alike. They've got shirts and hoodies, polos, jeans, jackets, you name it, American Giant makes it. But it is not just some company making stuff. It is seamsters, cutters, factory workers, your neighbors in towns and cities across the U.S. who are reopening factories to once again bring together pride, purpose, and people. So if there were ever a time to show your support for this country and get a high-quality product in return, the time is now. And the company is American Giant. And if you do, folks, if you buy clothes from American Giant, I'm going to save you some money. 20% off your first order. So here's how you do it. Just go to American-Giant.com. And once there, you've got a whole range of categories to choose from. For what it's worth, I love their hoodies. I'm telling you, you put this thing on and you can just feel the sturdiness. You just know it is so well made. So fill up that wardrobe. Get your fall and winter clothes right now at American-Giant.com. Use promo code right at checkout and you are going to get 20% off your first order. Again, that is 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code right. Folks, let's rebuild this country and let's make America giant. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our reports this morning with a mix of international and domestic news. We start with updates out of the Middle East with that speech on Friday that I told you about from the leader of the terror group, Hezbollah. Now, as I shared with you on Friday morning, I was still looking at the transcripts of the speech from that fellow named Saeed Hassan Nasrallah, all because many folks were predicting that he could call for violence or war either to Israel's north or inside the United States with all those sleeper cells in places like Michigan. Well, I've got some surprising, perhaps good news. Yes, he attacked the United States and Israel with his words, but there was no explicit announcement that was ordering Hezbollah to launch a full-scale war, either regionally or otherwise. And that came as a disappointment for some, namely Arabs, Persians, and most especially the folks in Gaza Strip and the West Bank. Still, given the power that Mr. Nasrallah and uh, Hezbollah have, all those rockets and fighters, we got to keep our eyes on these guys, and I certainly will. Moving on, and speaking of people who attack the United States with their words, Socialist and Democrat Representative Rashida Tlaib of Michigan. Boy, oh boy, did she attack Joe Biden on Friday. She said that he is supporting genocide against the Palestinian people. She also demanded in a video, quote, Biden, support the ceasefire in Gaza now or don't count on us in 2024, end quote. Obviously, she's intimating there that the people of Michigan and those who are either Muslim or Arab will not support his reelection effort. Also on late Friday, Ms. Tlaib tweeted out a defense of the phrase, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Oh, dear. As listeners know, that is a phrase that for decades has been used by Arabs and Palestinians who reject Israel's creation. 
they use that phrase to make clear that they want the Holy Lands returned to Muslim people with no Jews allowed. Although that is not what Ms. Talib said on Friday. Instead, she was insisting that the phrase represented, quote, an aspirational call for freedom, human rights, and peaceful coexistence, end quote. Well, unfortunately, even her own Democrats in Michigan were not buying that. The leader of the state Senate there said that the phrase was, as she knows, meant to kill all Jews in the Middle East. Meanwhile, the state's attorney general, she called on Tlaib to take down what she called a, quote, cruel and hateful remark, end quote. The tweet, however, remains up at least as of this hour. One final update for you out of the Middle East. Let's talk about the war itself. The Israeli government continues its ground operations in the northern part of Gaza Strip this morning, including strikes in or near refugee camps where Hamas is co-locating its uh, fighters. Likely dozens of both civilians and terrorists have been killed in the strikes, uh, certainly over the weekend and prior to that as well. Plus, Hamas is claiming that 60 hostages can no longer be found. They were, they said, in the tunnel networks, but because of those Israeli strikes, they have um, disappeared. Quote, it seems that we will never be able to reach them due to the continued brutal aggression of the occupation against Gaza, end quote. So very sadly, uh, very clear as of this morning that the poor hostages and those poor souls are likely dead, but we shall see. God be with the families in the meantime. Also, ladies and gentlemen, the U.S. Secretary of State and the CIA director are in the Middle East this morning, meeting with Arab nations. Plus this, they're pushing the Israeli government for what is called a humanitarian pause in the fighting, all to deliver humanitarian goods. Israel, though, has so far refused that push, saying that the only pause that they would be interested in would be for the exchange of hostages. And Hamas so far has said no. And so the operations in Gaza continued this morning with about 25% of the buildings damaged or destroyed in the Gaza Strip, at least based on satellite imagery. And that imagery is being heavily studied by Israelis this morning, including and especially those Israelis who are autistic. Now, here's something that you might not know. The Israeli Defense Force fills some of its more sensitive intel units with autistic Israelis who are very, very good at spotting subtle changes to imagery including likely new or damaged tunnels that exist throughout the Gaza Strip. It's a very fascinating recruitment program of these autistic folks, and it's one that has been underway for about a decade now. Interesting stuff. More to come. Next, moving out of the Middle East, folks, we head a little bit closer to home for two updates on two previous briefs that I've given you. The first has to do with dirty green energy, wind power specifically, and here it is. The world's largest offshore wind power company called Orsted Energy from the country of Denmark. They shocked federal and New Jersey authorities last week when they canceled two mega wind farms off the coast of Jersey. Now, you might have seen this story and you probably heard that it was canceled because of high development costs or subsidies were just too darn low. And that is true. But those things were not actually the biggest anchor to this project. But that word anchor, it's a clue for what the ultimate reason was for the cancellation of these wind farms. Yep, it has to do with ships. To refresh our memories, back on August 15th, I gave you a special brief on all things wind power. And one special challenge to these offshore projects was that there are only a handful of ships and crews that can install the massive wind blades and towers for these offshore projects. In fact, there are only four ships in all the world that can handle the biggest blades. 
And that is what tanked or anchored these wind farms in New Jersey. As Orsted CEO said over the weekend, quote, significant delays on vessel availability has now meant a multi-year delay of the entire project. That places us in a difficult situation where we would need to go out and recontract all or very large scopes of the project at, of course, unexpectedly higher prices, end quote. So there you have it. Oh, dear. If only they had listened to the right report in August. Well, joking aside, there are now other offshore wind deals that are also either facing cancellation or under the threat of being canceled, all for this lack of ships. Now, I should tell you, there is a massive new wind farm off the coast of Virginia that is being built and operated there by the utility Dominion Energy. They are moving forward only because they're building their own ship at a cost of $500 million. Plus, because they're utility, any price increases they have with this ship or otherwise, those are going to be passed on to utility customers living in Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. So if you're in one of those states, well, now you know. Finally, this morning, some lighter news as we head towards Thanksgiving, which is only like two and a half weeks away. Ugh. Researchers at the U.S. National Institute of Health have long wondered if you could rejuvenate your muscles and extend your life by doing something called caloric restriction. So here's the idea. If you modestly decrease the overall calories given to a human body, but not deprive it totally, that might delay some age-related diseases, and it can actually help strengthen the body's muscles. And that is actually proven to be true in animal models, all because of something regarding inflammation. But it wasn't clear whether this would be true in humans. So a couple of years ago, they kicked off a study asking human participants to reduce their caloric intake by 25%. These researchers then followed up with these folks at 12 and 24 months out, taking biopsies of muscles and conducting a general checkup. So here's what the researchers found. First, they discovered that the patients could not get to that 25% caloric restriction. The best they could do was 12%. But even then, the researchers found that people lost about 20 pounds on average that first year, and they kept it off well into the second year. All right, pretty good. Then they found that while participants did lose some muscle mass, they didn't lose any muscle strength. In other words, the muscles that remained as they were losing the 20 pounds, well, those muscles produced more force. It's something called muscle-specific force. But perhaps more importantly, they found that the genes that are involved in the inflammatory process, those were what's called down-regulated. In other words, less inflammation. And that's a good thing. Inflammation tends to drive many health conditions, especially as we get older. So here's the bottom line. A 12% reduction in your overall calorie intake keeps you leaner, stronger, and less sickly. So let's keep that good news in mind this Thanksgiving. No second helpings. Don't yell at me. Yell at the scientists. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I got one more thing for you before I let you go. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. It is a listener question today sent to us from one of my, well, formerly paid subscribers at rightreport.substack.com. Steph out in Louisiana wrote in to cancel her subscription. And that is because, as she said, all I do is talk about the same things over and over. And I'm too negative. I'm the angel of death, as another subscriber once joked. So I wrote to Steph and I said, all right, I'm going to answer you this morning and we're going to do it on the podcast. So here we go. 
First, with great respect, I disagree with you on the suggestion that I'm just monotonous, right? I am so proud of all the topics that I cover from all around America and the world. In fact, I think that that is what makes this podcast so enriching for so many people, right? We cover events in the South Pacific and crazy places like Vanuatu. We go to the Congo and Guinea and Africa. We head to Israel and Libya and the Middle East. We talk about Ukraine, Italy, Finland, the Baltic Sea and Europe. We then head to Latin America. We talk about, what, uh, El Salvador, Colombia, Mexico. And by golly, we even went to Antarctica last week. And that's not to mention all the events that we talk about in, here in America, from politics, the economy, agriculture, all of it. So with great respect, I am absolutely proud of all the places and the people and the topics that we cover. But let's talk about that other stuff, the angel of death stuff. Ah, I'm just a negative Nancy. <laughs> All right, well, fair enough. But consider this. So a couple weeks ago, the CEO of JP Morgan gave an interview where he said that we are living in the most dangerous time in decades. And he said that those dangers were creeping into boardrooms all across the globe in a way that he and other CEOs just can't recall. They're all wondering how it's going to affect operations and personnel and bottom lines. And he's right. But it's not just what corporate America is seeing and hearing about the danger that we live in. It's what I hear from my former colleagues in the Intel community, too, about China, Russia, terrorism, the collapsed southern border. I, the list goes on and on, sadly. And if I may, Steph, we've also got a man in the White House who is obviously lying when he says that he has never spoken to his son about his foreign business deals. Right. Mr. Biden is corrupt. Right? or so say 70% of Americans. I just happen to agree with them. The point, Steph, is that we live in exceptionally cruddy times, led by some of the dumbest and most corrupt people imaginable. So I am so sorry about that, Steph, because none of us chose to live in this awful era, and yet here we are. So we have to decide what to do next. And I think that the founding fathers and mothers would say to us, in short, boo-hoo, now go save the nation. And here's why I say that. So most of us know from our high school civics classes, there was a woman in Philadelphia who asked Benjamin Franklin what kind of country our founders had created for us, whether that be a republic or a monarchy. And he said to the woman, a republic, if you can keep it. Now, here is something that you might not know. The woman who asked Benjamin Franklin that question was almost certainly a woman named Elizabeth Willing Powell. She was the wife of uh, Philadelphia's mayor at the time. Now, after he said that uh, a republic, if you can keep it, she responded with, well, and why not keep it? To which Franklin responded in the most perfect way that he always does, quote, because the people on tasting the dish are always disposed to eat more of it than does them good, end quote. <laughs> so what exactly did Franklin mean by that? That, um, shall we say, caloric restriction of governance, if I may. Well, historians debate this, but I suspect that his responses meant two things. So the first part, the a republic, if you can keep it, he meant that we must be engaged with our government to, to grasp it and to control it. As President Lincoln later said in his Gettysburg Address, we must work to ensure that we have a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. But that second part of Franklin's response of eating more food than does us good, I think that is a warning of what happens when we fail to engage and grasp and control our government. 
He's saying that our leaders become gluttonous with their power, gorging on that delicious dish of government where once in power, they refuse to stop eating because it just tastes so good. So central to stopping the abuse of power then is getting engaged. And Steph, we do that by voting and organizing. And here it is, educating ourselves about both the good and the bad of our society. And right now, ladies and gentlemen, our society is in grave danger and profoundly dysfunctional. And so that is why I will continue to bring you the news. Yes, good news as I can find it, but also the bad. And as I do, I will work very hard to remind us that we can still fix it. I have absolute faith in that. Indeed, I've shared with you the power of getting involved locally. And ultimately, that means that we can turn this bad news into good. That is within your reach to turn bad into good. But look, I, I get it. Sometimes it just all feels so overwhelming. So, Steph and everybody, when you feel hopeless, when you feel overwhelmed, do what I do. Watch some old Johnny Carson episodes or the Carol Burnett show or anything by Don Rickles or the, the old Dean Martin roast. Amazing. Those were some good old days. We used to laugh with and at each other in the most glorious and sometimes inappropriate of ways, didn't we? Man, those were good days. But guess what? Good days are not just behind us. They're ahead of us too. We just got to work really hard to bring them back. Folks, if you'd like me to answer one of your questions on the podcast, it is easy to do. Either donate via my Stripe account, which you will find a link for in the show notes. Just make sure you leave an email and I'll be in touch. Otherwise, go to writereport.substack.com, sign up, and at the bottom of each day's Substack post, you can leave me a comment or ask me a question. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.